You're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this bank holiday weekend. St. Patrick's weekend. It always signals the start of the gardening year, I always think. You know, yeah. St. Patrick's weekend, and like it's shaping up to be a lovely morning. I know it's frosty and it's minus foggy. Minus four this morning. Ah, when yeah, I was but that's coming in. The, I know, yeah, yeah. Well, when I was coming in last night, yes. it was minus four. But when I was coming out this yeah. morning, actually, the frost had, is yeah. beginning to lift. It's actually, beginning no, to yeah, lift. It was a beautiful morning, and yeah. you know, um, we're just coming to that time of the year where spring mornings first light kind of kicks in when I'm on the road, and uh, up to this, it's kind of been a bit on the dark side. Yeah. What time and was it bright this morning? It was bright at six. All right, it was so just com- it was just coming in too, and there was a lovely kind of that mist was lying low on the countryside, and it was really really pretty. Yeah, well, um, now it's going to be shaping up to be a great yeah. day. So we're getting about thirteen hours of of uh, I was going to say sunlight or uh, sunshine, but light at uh, this time of year. So really, we are coming into the gardening season. The garden is beginning to wake up. The daffodils are in bloom. The primroses are in bloom, and very quickly we'll see a lot of growth starting. Um, you know, okay, this frosty weather will certainly hold things back a small mm. bit, but uh, very quickly we won't see a lot of uh, new growth and a lot of planting so I always think about St. Patrick's weekend as the time for people to really get into the gardening and I suppose it's always associated in particular with the time to plant potatoes so it's kind of the start of the potato or grow your own planting uh, time, time of year, mm. so so that's it. So uh, so la- last week, first of all, we were we had some competitions because this is indeed. something that we've been doing now for the last yeah. couple of weeks. Great interest, uh, huge interest um, again. Yeah, last week we were uh, we had a competition for schools. We did indeed, and again a great response. And uh, what, what we were giving away last week were the small baby plants, the mm. little baby geraniums and marigolds and so on. Um, and we get we asked for for schools in particular, and we're very fortunate. We got a great response, and the winners were St Paul's in in um, Cloggan and Island Eddy. Tony Varley was on. They got some geraniums. Uh, Kathleen Walsh in um, St. Aidan's in Kilchamaw. They got some lovely petunias. And Marie McCormick then um, got some geraniums in Ahimor in Baal. Uh, hot and spicy geraniums, believe oh. it or not. Yeah, uh, what, hot and spicy. What does hot and spicy <gasps> well, I think I think they're just a really just vibrant colour, colours. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we also had a a winner in Danny Charlton in in Ballyhane. They got some marigolds, right? And um, we got Francis, I think Connington in um, Charlestown. They got some lobelia. So there were small baby plants, a pack of compost, some fertilizers, some pots. Uh, they went out to the schools this week. Brilliant. So hopefully the children are, have potted them up, mm-hmm. or we'll pot them up as they go back to school next week, and we'll check back in with them then in April and just Brilliant. see how the plants have got on. Yeah. So the main tip is to keep them inside in the gla- in the uh, school, keep them warm, keep them watered, and those plants will be coming into flower then about the late May, early June. And uh, but we'll check back in in April. But we have a great competition again this week. Yes, I, I love the the sound of this altogether. So it's something yeah. is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose we're looking for, in particular, some. We, we get lots of calls to the garden centre from from active groups, gardening clubs, uh, women's group, active retirement groups. It could be bridge clubs. A yep. uh, group of people that are interested in gardening that would like to come to the garden centre for a day. I'll be there for the day, and we'll put on a whole series of gardening workshops. Now, nothing too taxing. Yeah, something with a bit of fun a bit of crack um, and but, but also a bit of learning as well so it'll be a day in Hawkins um, a day during the week probably a month between Monday or, or, or through to Friday mm. some day during the midweek um, and what we're looking for is a group to come along to the garden centre 
particularly people that have an interest in gardening, you don't need to be an expert. We're looking for amateurs again, okay. please. And just people that want to learn and get some tips, uh, in particularly on spring gardening, what to do in the garden. So we're looking for a typical, typical listener, but we're looking for a group, a minimum 15, please. Okay. And up to about 40. We'll be able to wow. cater for 40, okay. no problem whatsoever. Um, and they'll come along in the day, in the morning. We'll do a workshop in gardening. Um, I'll give a, a, a class, but the team in Turlock will give a class as well on various different aspects of gardening. It'll be also an opportunity for the people to ask a lot of questions and we'll go through many of the plants that people should be putting in the garden at this time of year. So what I'm looking for today is uh, a group of people. It can be male, it can be female, it can be mixed. Um, Typically it would be maybe people that might be, uh, gardening clubs are more than welcome, but it could also be any society or group that can muster up a minimum of 15 people and would like to come to the garden centre for the day and I'll I'll make myself available on the day and the team and uh, we'll give you a very enjoyable uh, day and you'll have the Bailey's restaurant. We have Meadows and Burns there as well. You can do some retail therapy as well if you feel like <laughs> I it. I could go for that bit. <laughs> so the number to ring, uh, it's a new number. So the number to ring today is zero nine four nine zero two six double nine seven. Now the group can ring that number anytime from now right up to eleven o'clock today. So that's zero nine four nine zero two six double nine seven. Give it a ring. Leave your the name of the group and your contact details and we'll pick a winner uh, later on today and we'll, we'll, we'll contact that winner then early next week. So it's really, it's a day out in Hawkins on us um, and, you know, particularly for listeners that want to be able to ask questions and get, and, and get involved in some workshops. Nothing too taxing, a little bit of fun um, and we might even go, we're talking to the, the museum uh, which oh, is just beside us yes. and we might go up and have a look at their garden as well and have a tour of that garden as well. So that's kind of in our, in our itinerary at the moment. That sounds absolutely, this is a great day. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Yeah. We get lots of interest anyway from groups and, and you know, so this is going to, we're going to put a little bit of formal structure around this one. And So, if you're a group out there interested in gardening, you can muster 15 people. Get on the phone now, 094 uh, Leave your name and address with the guys and uh, we'll pick a winner. And... Uh, um, we're going to have a right, child so be probably in a, about two to three weeks' okay. time, and we're, and the date we'll work with the with, with the, the group. group. You know, the date isn't yeah. fixed, so whatever okay. group, whatever time suits you guys, we're. We make okay, ourselves available. I, I, I think <coughs> it's going to be really have a lot of calls on this because there's so many, I suppose, active retirement groups and women's groups. Of course. And, or just can maybe a good community group that maybe somebody, they have a group in their own area and they kind of come together, maybe something like that. Might that would be fine. And yeah. we will tailor the talks and the workshops to the group. So if there's a particular area that they have of interest, mm. we'll tailor the talks completely to that. So that we're totally open with this one. It's really just a day out in Hawkins. Okay, that sounds All brilliant right. altogether. Okay. So there you go. The other thing I was yes. I was actually invited mm. by um, a schools, keeping on the school theme. Yeah. I had a great day actually on Monday. I uh, Where were you? toddled off. Well the, the um Letcher National School, St. Joseph's School and Letcher in Island Aid in Castlebar, which is about 10 minutes out from Castlebar. Yep. Uh, if people know the three bridges in, in Island Aid, a famous landmark in Island Aid, this is a lovely school, uh, rural school, situation, a beautiful location. I mean, the school is looking out in the mountains, wow. on the heather, beautiful, idyllic. Uh, location. So that was in Letcher National School and the teachers, uh, Karen and Mary, invited me along on Monday. So myself and the chairman, Joe Moylet, uh, we had a little bit of a challenge. The, the children are going for their fifth uh, green flag, oh, which right. I think is is pretty unique in, in Ireland at the moment. Many schools have three and four flags, but five, five is, is actually okay. exceptional. So they're going for that at the moment. And one of the aspects is to do some gardening and in particular some grow your own. So we spent the morning... Um, 
planting, they had some vegetable tables, nice tables, which are about waist high, or about chest high mm-hmm. on the children's, where they're ideal, no bending, uh, filled with compost. They had a potato pot. Uh, they had a lovely cloche as well, a little kind of mini greenhouse uh, oh. cloche that we planted up. And uh, so we planted some cabbage, some lettuce, uh, some onions, some shallots. Right. We also planted some French beans okay. and also some seeds, some lettuce seed, uh, turnip seed, carrot seed. Uh, so we've great, Lots of variety. Great, great fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the kids were, I was just amazed how engaging they were, how interested they were. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, I was kind of challenging them a little bit, asking them where, where do, you know, vegetables come from? Where do potatoes come from? And maybe it was because of rural school, but they yeah. were very tuned in. They right. knew exactly. Tossing just off a supermarket shelf. Not at all. No, no exactly. Or did just come out of a bag. They actually knew a lot about, I was actually quite surprised, and there was probably testament to the four green flags they already have. They're certainly very clued into the environment and how to grow plants. But one of the things we talked about was the Satanta potato. Right. So, of course, they didn't know I was bringing the Satanta variety along, and we planted in 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 a potato pot, Mm -hmm. similar to the one that we gave away a couple of weeks back. And uh, so I asked them, just off the cuff, to tell me the story about Satanta. And they had it Verbatim. Now. Exactly. <laughs> I nearly forget that story myself. <laughs> there you go. So, so uh, very interesting day. Um, great day. So I'd just like to, to take the opportunity to thank them for inviting me down. I certainly enjoyed it. I thought it'd be half an hour. I was there, there all, all, day. all morning. <laughs> but I was welcomed with a big cup of tea and homemade scones by, oh. by the principal, Karen Duffy. So thank you, Karen. So we had a great day out. Lovely idyllic school there in, in Letcher and Island AD. And uh, I suppose great testimony to the green flag scheme, which many schools have. And in particular, they're looking at, they have already planted some fruit trees. They have a small wood planted. They have a nice uh, wildlife area there. Some herbs planted as well. So this was, I suppose, doing a grow your own section. And I like the way they approached it because it was very much on, it was making it very easy for the children. They had veggie tables uh, filled with compost. So mm. even the children were saying to me how, how clean the garden with right. the clean compost yes. and, you know, uh, they were there with There's their gloves. Wasn't well, right. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't all covered in muck. Exactly. And, 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 you know, they weren't having to dig anything. And so it was a very easy way. So we have a challenge on. Myself and the chairman have a, a challenge between us. We divided up the area. One one side is the Pori Porkin oh. team. The other side is the Joe Moynihan <laughs> team. So we're going to see how the uh, how the plants are going to do over the next couple of okay. weeks. And what I might do, and I was, I was sorry I didn't have actually one of the radio mics with me. Yeah. So the next time I'm going to pop out in there in a couple of weeks' time and we'll do a little recording and just see how the plants that got on. Great. And see how the how the how yeah. the children got on in particular. So that was that was that was my day. Okay, you had a busy week. Yeah, great, great week. Lots great of, week. Lots of variety. So there you go. Okay. Well, we have lots of questions for you this morning, Porig. Um, and we're going to come to those in just a moment. Just to give you a reminder of the numbers, if you do have something you want to throw at us, uh, it's 0818 if you're calling us. And Teresa is busy taking calls this morning. And then the text number as well, in conjunction with C and C Cellular, is 087 900 4141. And there's also that dedicated email address if you're listening to the programme and then afterwards you feel like uh, dropping us a line. It's uh, garden at midwestradio.ie and we'd love to hear from you any which way at all. Right, 17 minutes past nine, a quick break, and we're back with some of your questions after these. 
Okay, now you're very welcome back, Pork. Lots and lots of questions for you. So we're going to start right at the top and some people were up early this morning. Uh, so, uh, Mick and Bell Mullet, good morning to you. Uh, Mick writes, Pork, that he'd like them to, for us, sorry, for you rather, <laughs> for to tell him the best way to keep young bedding plants moist. He got a lot, a big amount of begonias okay. um, and some of them have died and he was told that they were too wet or it was too wet to put. Uh, he's wondering if you put old towels in the bathroom of large trays uh, in the bottom of large trays, I beg your pardon, and keep them wet and then sit the plants on that, would that be okay? Well, you know, what I would do is what he's referring to yeah. are, are the small begonia, the little baby plants actually right. that we gave to the schools. So oh, okay. maybe the schools listen to this as well. Yeah, you're dealing with very small plants. They're only, whatever, three or four weeks old. They're small seedlings. The amount of water they actually need is minuscule. Right. So I think um, my advice really is to get some shallow trays. But you could put something like a uh, kitchen roll mm-hmm. would be ideal and sit the trays uh, onto the kitchen roll. Watering at this time of year once a week is more than adequate and I would allow the begonias to slightly dry out because too much water is exactly what's happening here. The roots are rotting and you're actually introducing some disease into the into the uh, begonia right. plants as well. So if anything I'd have on the side of underwatering, slightly underwatering because if they get a little bit shriveled and you water they're going to pop back up again. Whereas if they get very wet there's nothing you can do. You've just got to sit there and wait for them to dry out unfortunately. So what I would do Mick is get your trays, some kitchen rolls um, have the kitchen roll slightly dampish water once a week and just sufficient water that the plants will actually suck up within 20 minutes um, keep them in a bright location now as the plants get stronger naturally you're going to increase the watering mm-hmm. but at this time of year that you run the risk of rotting the plants and that's what's ha- happening here so just be careful those small tender plants they're not using a lot of water Okay, I suppose everyone, and I, I'm guilty of this myself, you know, I'm always afraid that uh, I'm yeah. not giving things enough water. And you that's know. overwatering yeah. is probably the biggest yeah. killer of most plants, really? house plants and most plants, because you, you just rot, the roots rot. And that would apply to anybody sowing seed as well. Seeds, you know, vegetable plants, indoors, in trays, keep them slightly dry, always water from the bottom so you, the seedlings aren't getting wet. Right. Because disease, like any disease, mm. it runs through water pores and the damper... The, this compost is the more problems you have so slightly underwater is better right also give them frost protection at this time of year things like marigolds and begonias if people have them in greenhouses or tunnels the penetrating frost that we have these nights certainly will damage them so make sure they're protected cover them with fleece or put some heat on to keep the, the temperatures up Perfect. Now, somebody's wondering about um, holly trees and the yep. best time to prune them. Mary in Sligo, good morning to you. It's too early to prune them and she's also wondering, is it too early to apply weed killer? Well, first of all, with the holly, the hollies are, funny enough, are going to start coming into flower now. They flower at this time of year, March, early April is their flowering period. So I wouldn't do any, light pruning is fine, Mary, but not, not any severe pruning. I, the right time really to prune them back is when the berries are on them and you can see what you're cutting back. So I would leave the pruning of hollies to, you know, January, late January uh, sort of period or autumn period is a good time to, to prune hollies back. So they're coming into flower this time of year. You, by all means, you can do a slight bit of trimming because the flower buds tend to be on older wood um, and don't, you know, don't cut them hard this time of year. Mm-hmm. Leave well enough alone. Give them a feed by all means, a little bit of sh- a shrub fertilizer, and then come autumn time when you see the berries on them. That's actually a good time to trim them back because you can obviously leave the shoots that have the berries. So leave it alone till autumn time. With it, sorry, in relation to the weed killer, this frosty weather, it's not suitable for. Uh, spraying. Funnily enough, yes. a couple of weeks back when it was quite mild, yeah. uh, I did a bit of spraying myself and it's been very effective. So once we get back into nice mild weather, sunny weather, by all means, you can start treating the weeds. 
Okay, great stuff. Um, now, here's an interesting one. Somebody would like to grow some horseradish plants oh, yeah. uh, for their kitchen. They're <clears> wondering, um, do what did they use? Did they sow them from seeds or plants or how would you go about it? Well, yeah, horse, well horseradish, first of all, is uh, what you're using is the root. It produces a root very like a parsnip, yeah, a very thin root, yeah. like a dock, really. I've only seen it recently and, I, you know, it's one of those things that... You know the way when you're so used to horseradish coming out in a bowl jar. or out yeah. of the jar yeah. and you have no concept whatsoever yeah. of what... I didn't even realise it was actually that a vegetable to that degree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you I used it was the more some kind of a condiment type thing. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it's like a big parsnip. Yeah, like a big parsnip. Yeah. And, and funny enough, the, the, the root, when you dig it from the soil, there's no taste of it uh, initially. It's only when you actually shred it or, you know, um, cut it up. Right. When you break the cells, they release a, a vinegar type, um, kind of like a, an acid. Acid, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what we get with that horseradish tangy flavour. Right. So it's actually only when you shred the horseradish root. And that's why it must be used, or it's better to use it fresh, if possible. Right, so raw you, and fresh. Raw and, and fresh. So can you cook it, I wonder? I'm sure you, I'm sure you can, but yeah, it's it's up, the, the 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 actual taste and that zang or zing mm. that comes from horseradish yes. is only released once you shred it. Right. Um, so, but it's very easy to grow. This is the time of year you actually buy the root of it. It's available in gardens and centres at the moment. And uh, plant the root now. Be careful with it because, like a dock, it actually. Can spread. Okay. Well, it can do. It can take over an area. Now, it'll take years, but it can start to spread. It, it has underground roots that pop up. Right. So it's often grown in large tubs, and you can sink the tub and all into the ground. Um, but it'll form a, a perennial, like rhubarb, a perennial vegetable. And then as you need it, you go out, dig up a root, and... Uh, use it use it fresh. So, um, so easy to grow. Just be careful where you plant it. It does need some room to spread. Planting it at this time of year, you really won't be using it for at least one year and possibly two. It right. needs a season or two to actually, like asparagus, like rhubarb, to actually develop a crown and, and some root structure. Uh, but once you've got it, then you'll have it forever. And just be careful oh, if it's going into a part of the garden, maybe where you're not keeping an eye on, it can kind of take over that area. Okay, so, so com maybe confine it a bit. Confine it a, a mm. small bit, yeah. Great time to plant them. Get them now. Put in maybe two or three plants and you'll get have a horse radish for the rest of Wow, that's, that's fantastic on beef, isn't it? It is, uh, yeah. And, the, and the, you suppose, I suppose, like, there's nothing quite like having um, something growing in the garden and going out and getting and it getting fresh. It. Yeah, um, and yeah. that really adds to a meal if you're doing something special. Absolutely. Okay, good luck with the horseradish. Now, somebody who's planted Sika spruce trees okay. in an area that's only accessible by foot. Right. Uh, it's this area is covered though in rushes and briars. Okay. And is there anything they can spray to kill the rushes and briars? So they won't choke the trees, or how could they? Yeah, you can use them? you can use a, a treatment called dicoflower, dicoflower, and that will be very effective on rushes and briars. Now, um, rushes, well, briars in particular, actually have been damaged, funny enough, or burnt back a really? little bit with the easterly wind we've had, but particularly in open areas. So it's an ill wind. It is, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, so, couldn't resist. So, uh, so, you know, depending on where how sheltered it is, I mean, as long as the briars are growing well and there's plenty of new growth on them, I would leave the spraying really for another two to three weeks, allow them to come back into growth. Even with the rushes, it's often better even to cut them back and let them re-sprout because the softer, tender shoots are more susceptible than to the weed killers. But uh, dicoflower will, will control the rushes and the briars, particularly when there's plenty of leaf growth on them. And I would do that at the end of March, the first week of April, and that'll help to keep the area clean.
and right. it won't damage the, 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 uh, the, the Sika Sika. spruce. No. Okay, good. Um, and I know somebody else had a briar's question coming up as yeah, well. So, so that the also addresses flower will, that. Will control, right. will control that. Um, now, somebody has a strong ash tree which they cut down, right. but they want to make sure it's not going to start growing again. Okay. How do they treat it? Well, ash and ash is, it's like poplars and it's like many of the, the kind of, um, the, many of the sapling trees that can reshoot cutting them back they're just reshoot from ground levels again what I would use is uh, treat st- stump treatment um, tree stump treatment which is um, a simple treatment that you paint onto the stump uh, shortly after cutting and that literally gets into the stump itself goes down into the root and kills the tree and all so get yourself a small tin of depending on when the tree was cut a, a fresh cut is better so maybe just recut the stump again put on the tree stump treatment and that will kill it off. It won't re-sprout again. Okay. Simple as that. So if you have any woody, strong plants like that that you don't want reshooting, for example, ivy, we often get the question with ivy, yes. that would also be very effective if you're cutting back ivy, put it onto the, the stump or the roots of the ivy or the stems and that will kill it off as well. So tree stump treatment you're looking for. Okay. Now when you start, we started the programme today, you mentioned perfect growing weather or at least getting ready for the for the planting of the potatoes. Um, somebody, a couple of questions in relation to potatoes. First of all, the name of the blight potato or anti-blight potato I suppose was, you said last week uh, the one with the dry texture, can you repeat that? that? Yeah, you know, that was, um, well there's a couple I'd recommend but first of all, the, the one I mentioned men- last week was the Hungarian variety uh, Sapra exona Sapra exona. It's a red, red skinned uh, white fleshed mm-hmm. variety, quite a big producer, quite a big uh, potato, main crop variety, totally blight resistant. So it's, it's a very good variety to try. You also got, and it's particularly dry as well. So it's like a rooster texture or a curse pink texture potato. So that's Sapra Exona, good time to plant them at this time of year. Um, the other one I, I would recommend is Satanta as well that I mentioned earlier. Lovely dry, flowery potato. Um, red skinned as well but again excellent blight resistant and an early variety would be Orla which if you wanted potatoes say in June mm-hmm. uh, that's a good Irish blight resistant so Sapra Exona Satanta or Orla will be three excellent varieties to choose okay. and would, you need minimal if no spraying on any of those Okay and they're all kind of flowery potatoes as well They are right? yeah, yeah yeah they are the, the Satanta and Exona in particular are very flowery the, the Orla has that new potato taste that nice oh, yeah. new potato taste in June yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Because somebody else was wondering about flowery potatoes. They prefer really dry types um, if they can. Well, golden that, wonder that, is yeah, also an excellent. Would give a good crop. Yeah. Well, golden wonder is is probably a, one of the best if you want a really dry, uh, you know, catch in the back of the throat type of potato. Mm. That really dry flavour. Um, golden wonder is an, an excellent main crop variety. A good producer as well. You'd have potatoes in. September, October of this year by planting them now. It's also slug resistant and tends to be scab resistant. Oh, so there's a lot of there. There is, yeah. <laughs> and it's a good old traditional variety available in shops at this time of year and it stores extremely well. It's got that kind of a thick skin on it so it, it's actually a very good uh, variety to harvest in the autumn and then store and use at this time of year uh, the following spring. Okay, you can see why it's so popular. Yeah, then. but there's many. There's some great, you know. There's uh, uh, again, I was listening to somebody that were telling me there's 350 different varieties in Ireland available at the moment. Potatoes. <laughs> there's some really good popular varieties, right. you know. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, if you are growing your spuds uh, or you're getting ready uh, to do that, the very best of luck indeed. Yeah, and if you're not, you know, if you're not out digging the soil, it is mm. good frosty weather for digging for soil. And breaking it up. Yeah, but you can be sprouting the potatoes indoors, put them into a tray, a box on a on a windowsill or in the greenhouse, uh, let the light at them, get the buds started, so that'll kind of initiate growth. And you know, you can plant them over the next. I said St Patrick's weekend, yes. but I mean it can be planted right up to to mid and even late April. Right. There's no problem planting. Okay. Now we have um, a, the same question actually, both on the text and I also I noticed it has come in um, on an email from somebody else as well. Yes, yeah, it's we're having it <clears throat> a little like in stereo here on either side of me. Um, it's to do with those black insects, you know, that oh, yeah. we find on pads and walls um, and in the evenings and people wondering how do you get rid of them or tackle them or what, what? are they? I can't remember. We talk every year about do, them yeah, the same yeah, time of yeah. year. They're not the leather jackets. No, they're, they're the not. Ones, they're the ones that are in the grass. They I are. can't remember. They're the millipede type Millipede, ones. that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. The millipede, yeah. the black millipede. And again, it's just like this time <laughs> this this time of year they tend to knock about. I think they're, they're, uh, they come, they tend to be attracted to the heat of walls. And so when we get sunny spring days, the, wa- the houses are obviously warming up, the walls are warming up and the mm. millipedes come out of the ground. Uh, they're a natural garden insect. They're not really a pest. They don't do a tremendous amount of damage. If you had a greenhouse with lots of seedlings yet yeah, that could be destructive there but in general they don't do any harm uh, to the house mm-hmm. or to the garden so un- unless it, they're very bad there really is no need to treat them what I f- tend to find is by the time we come into the end of April early May they tend to go back to the garden so they leave the, the house areas alone so people get a, a bit worried about them at this time of year creeping in under the in under the door uh, or, or whatever it's a warmth, is it a warmth thing I wonder Right. It's warmth, it's yeah, heat, yeah. Right. It's, it's just after the spring weather, yes. uh, the, you know, the, the heat, the sort of sun that we're going to get yeah. today, that could be out. And they tend to be nocturnal, they come out at night time and people get a shock when they see them on the pathways okay. and driveways. They're very distinctive when you, when you uh, touch them, they roll into a, into a curl. Mm. And they, so if you need to get rid of them, there's a product called Protective C that you can spray onto your uh, hallway or door or pathway. And once they, they touch that, it, they pick it up in their bodies and that will control them. But right. they're not destructive um, they're not so really doing any harm. They're not going to do a whole lot of harm and within a couple of weeks That'd they're going to dissipate anyway. But if you do need to get rid of them, protective sea, that will also control things like wood lice or any kind of creeping uh those guys, Insects those guys peop- with lots of legs. Yeah, that people get worried about in the house. Yeah, yeah. And you can use that safely in the house, safe around children and pets and so on. Once you spray it on, it's, it starts to work away. Okay, so protective sea. Protective sea, yeah. yeah. Lovely. That'll protect them. Now, hyacinth bulbs, Porek. Somebody yeah. would like to know, <clears throat> how do we store, can you store hyacinth bulbs for next Christmas? Well, not really, because the, the bulbs that you buy mm. for Christmas flowering, the hyacinths are... are in flower naturally at this time of year coming into March and April beautiful scented plant you'll see them in garden centres available uh, in pots uh, coming into flower and a beautiful plant to put into the house because there's a fantastic scent off them but the bulbs you buy in the autumn are fooled or chilled they're they're kind of fooled into thinking that they've come through the winter and it's springtime so when you buy them in October they think it's January mm. and when, once you pot them up then they come into flower early for you're not going to have that chilling effect you cannot create that chilling effect yourself so my advice really is to pl- plant the hyacinths if you've got them in pots and containers plant them once they go out of flower plant them out into the garden somewhere and they'll bloom in the garden next spring for you and just buy some fresh bulbs next October if you really want to have hyacinths for Christmas you're better off buying fresh bulbs every year 
Perfect. Okay. Somebody is wondering if you'd have some suggestions for good flowering dahlias that they can plant in pots. Now, nothing too tall and different colours. Okay. Well, let's think about different colours. There's a lovely one thinking about dahlias that will grow maybe 12 to 15 inches in height, about a foot to, to, to a foot and a half in height. Chic red is a very good one. Chic red. Uh, bright, vivid red. Pretty woman is a lovely pink variety. Nice dark foliage on that one. Uh, uh, purple haze, as the name suggests, is a kind mm-hmm. of a dark purple variety. Something with a little bit more height would be Bishop of Landaff, which is a, a scarlet red. Great names. Yeah, um, and lovely purple foliage on that one as well. So that would give you kind of eight inches, two feet of height in a container. So uh, Genova is another very good, another really good variety, a kind of a dark pink. So Go to your local garden centre. There's lots of dwarf dahlias available at the moment. They're the tubers. Actually, I brought some to the children on, on Monday. And, you know, it's funny when you look at the dahlia tuber, mm-hmm. you think it's completely dead. Yeah. It looks wizen and, and you know. Dried out. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that's, it has that, it's a swollen stem. Once it's planted, it comes into growth. So they, the children have actually put them on the windowsills. So it'll be very interesting to see, see the reaction now in the couple of weeks' time to see the new shoots coming out of them. So this is the time of year to, to plant up dahlias. They are frost sensitive. So put them into pots or trays indoors. And the beauty about that is that then as they start to grow, you can divide them. You can split them into two. So from one dahlia tuber, you can make two or three plants. So put them into pots and containers on a windowsill. Uh, keep them indoors. Keep them watered until about the first week of May. And that's the time then to plant them out into the garden and oh. propagate them during nice. that period. You can actually split them. Okay, perfect. Now, here's a great question. Porik, what are great. goji berries and will they grow here? They will, yeah. Goji ber- berries, they're... they're um, typically from places like Tibet and China wow. uh, that were originally uh, grown, but they do actually very well here. The one thing that they do require is a um, free-draining soil. So they dislike heavy, wet soils. They won't grow in that. But apart from that, if you add some sand and grit or you're lucky enough maybe to living in a, in a, a limestone area or a sandy-type area, they'll do extremely well. Totally frost-hardy. Um, the plant itself grows to about three to four feet in height, not dissimilar to a um, blackcurrant bush. Right. And they produce their flowers in June, kind of per, either blue or white flowers, and they set then during the growing season. And it's goji berries are one of these plants that actually fruit over a long period, a bit like I was talking about the blackberries mm. or the blueberries last week. Yes. They flower and fruit over a kind of a continuous period. So you tend to get fruit on goji berries from about August through to we get the hard frost period. So you can have them fruiting literally for, for up to six or eight weeks uh, right through the late summer, autumn period. It's got that beautiful big red juicy uh, fruit not dissimilar I suppose to a raspberry fruit but more fleshy and um, they're self-fertile so in theory all you need is one plant but uh, I would plant them maybe four or five plants together. Right. Um, so they're easy to grow a good time to plant them uh, really putting in young plants you get small amount or, or very little fruit this year but this time this summer of next year you get plenty plenty of fruit and they're quite vigorous you know within a year or two they actually make quite a st- substantial uh, plant and, yeah. and fruiting bush and live for many years so overall and, and they tell me that uh, I think goji berries are high in vitamin well, C well I know they're, and they're nearly on the, one of those superfood groups or something like yeah. that and they're pricey if you're buying them you know they come in packets right. yeah they're kind of in the health Food, food sector, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, look at you can grow them quite easily yourself. Yeah. Put them into the fruit garden. Free draining soil is important. So not you know, and so if you're ha- if you tend to have heavy soil, dig in some uh, compost, dig in some gravel or grit or sand, and 
uh, improve the drainage and then the other way to grow them is in tubs and containers yes. but you do need a, a reasonably large tub okay. good half bar or whatever you can to grow them in as well yeah and use uh, maybe a soil based compost like John Ennis would be very good right. so while we're growing and okay. not difficult don't yeah. really su- suffer from a whole lot of pests and diseases because right. um, they are pricey I think to buy yeah and if yeah. they grow in Tibet yeah. and in China and yeah. you know they'll certainly tolerate the Irish conditions that's it because uh, yeah because they're very high up and yeah, yes absolutely. and cool countries okay so we're, go. g- we're going to take another quick break uh, <clears throat> we still have a number of questions and one or two on the email as well now I see um, so stay with us Now, Porik, I know we started off the programme uh, with this great competition that we have for a group, so we're just going to give that a mention again. We are indeed. So what we're looking for, what, what we're looking for are um, groups and societies that can be gardening groups, that can be active retirement groups, that can be any any sort of group that have, that have a minimum of 15 people that would like to come to the garden centre for a gardening day, um, a series of workshops. Um, I'll be there on the day and the team will be there. So we'll run a, a special garden day for uh, a group in in the garden centre in Turlock. It can be a day of, of their choosing, mm-hmm. as long as it's kind of a, a midweek day. And uh, we'll put on um, a series of workshops, a series of question and answer series. Um, we'll also tailor the, the day to suit the group. So if you've got a, a gardening club or a, a local community group or somebody, an area, a group that want to maybe do up uh, their, their own community, we'll tailor the talks and the day to suit that. So... We're looking for people to ring 094-90-26-997. Leave your name and your your number and we'll get back to you and we'll pick a winner next week um, for for that competition. So it's a day out in Hawkins um, and as I said, we'll, we'll tailor the whole day the gardening day to suit the actual group and their needs rather than um, anything else. So if you want a day out in yeah, Hawkins, I think it's um, brilliant. And remember, you, you you have the opportunity with the Bailey Restaurant and Medicine Burns and Edinburgh Woolmills as well to. It can be. It won't be just all gardening, right? And there's the Museum of Country Life as of well. Well, yeah, yep. we'd like to go up to the Museum of Country Life and, and do a tour of their garden as well, which is really just up the road from us, so it's it's very adjacent. So zero nine four nine zero two six double nine seven. The guys are taking the calls at the moment, and we'll pick a winner then over the weekend and announce it next week. Okay, great stuff. Now, I have a really interesting one in on the email. Okay. And this is from a listener in Swinford and great. bear with me now because it's fairly detailed. That's all right. Uh, they actually have two questions. So we'll deal with uh, the pond question first of all. Well, they created a pond on their land about two years ago. Okay. Now, it's approximately mm. 100 foot by 40 foot by 3 foot deep. They have approximately half a million litres of, wall, of spring water in the pond and there's a spring well continuously flowing in and out of the pond. They have a recurring problem though with algae mm. and at the moment the four bales of barley straw one at each corner and they're trying to reduce it is there anything else you could recommend to get rid of that algae well they're doing uh, they're doing the right thing first mm. of all the the barley straw is, is a terrific method of, of actually controlling algae it, t- it tends to take reduce the algae in, in great numbers now you'll never get rid of algae it's mm. always going to be a feature of every pond right and it increases as we get into the, the brighter uh, sunnier days you're going to just get more algae problems what tends to help if you plant the pond Densely, so mm-hmm. if you use a lot of water lilies and a lot of oxygenating plants to get oxygen into the the pond, and also to cover the surface of the so particularly those lily pads or, or plants that actually float on the surface that are reducing the light levels into the pond itself, that helps tremendously well. The other thing you can do, and it's a good time of year coming in, certainly as we come into April, early May, is to use, you can use an algae treatment, which is an algae buster. So it's a product that you mix in water, you apply it into the pond, and that actually starts to get working and killing any algae before it starts. So 
generally listeners leave it to late in summertime or midsummer to mm. control the alga but it's it's like anything it's preventing the problem rather than trying to cure it right. so you, there are treatments available in the garden centers which are specifically designed to kill algae so there, one would be called algae uh, buster which again you just mix with water you apply it into the pond it's totally safe to fish and plants and will help to reduce the algae but in every pond there is going to be a certain in every in every lake in the country, there's a yeah, you know, yeah, algae yeah. Okay. as it can be and is uh, a natural uh, thing associated with ponds. So it's just a, mo- a matter of of preventing it and trying to control it rather than eliminating it per- completely. Okay, okay. Now the second problem then is to do with fish. All right. Okay, so they've stocked the pond twice with fish. Once okay. with goldfish, right. uh, which I think they might have gotten from you, and also once with roach and perch. Okay. Now both times the fish have disappeared. Right. They're not escaping through the spring water outlet, and the person doesn't believe that they have mink. So, which of any advice on that? Well, again, again, what will help? But like goldfish, fun enough, do extremely well in, in ponds right. and actually tolerate co- very cold conditions, and actually can grow to quite a a good size in a, in, a, in a pond, particularly a pond of that size. Um, you're going to get natural predation, like uh, herrings will herns will will actually attack it. Oh, at, right, you know, yes, so you get yeah. you need to keep an eye out for that as well. But again, what ha- tends to help is using um, lots of planting. Uh, in in the pond. So again, the more cover you can give to the fish, obviously the the um, more protect protecting they're going to be, yeah. and also the better breeding facilities that you actually give the fish, because fish will naturally prey on fry on small fish. Right. So on the young eggs and on the young developing fry, mm-hmm. other fish will 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 um, predate on them. So the more you plant up the pond the better you're going to encourage the fish life, the more you're going to reduce the algae and um, the, the more difficult you're going to make it for, uh, for other uh, scavengers to actually take the fish in the first instance. Okay, so the disappearing is most likely some form of scavenger, even though they, um, it may not be mink, but no, it, they, there can be the aerial, aerial type ones or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. we'll, we'll take them as well. Okay, so right. There you go. But it's there, great to that's hear. That's a great, really interesting pond. project yeah. and uh, a fairly considerable one too sure by the sounds of it. Yeah, sure well done. Well, hopefully the fish will uh, get restocked and that they'll that they'll maintain this time around. Now, um, sorry, Park, just looking at here, one or two of the other questions that have come in. Um, They'd lo- somebody would love to plant a climbing rose on an arch in the garden. Can you give the names of a couple of scented types? Yeah, well, this again, it's a, it's a really good time to actually start planting uh, climbing roses and roses in general. So I would be thinking of, um, there's a lovely one called Golden Celebrations. It's mm-hmm. a bright yellow rose, highly scented, really, really nice one. Um, another nice one is one called James Galway. It's a pink, beautiful pink variety, um, you know, quite a nice, nice colour and a good vigorous variety. Graham Thomas is also a, a very nice scented rose. It's part of the David Austin rose collection. Um, big blousy flowers, um, quite a nice one. So for me, Golden Celebrations, uh, Graham Thomas, uh, Ga- James Galway would be quite nice. And what I would also introduce for additional scent would be some honeysuckles uh, up through the rose. You can actually plant them at the same time of year, this time of year. And that would some of the Dutch honeysuckles would give fantastic scent as well through the climbing roses. So combination of both would be... Uh, advisable at this time of year and a great time to actually plant roses. 
you get flowers this summer. And st- staying with roses as well for a moment, somebody has roses in a pot, they're not pruned but they're budding, will they leave them or should they cut them back? No, no, they need to cut them back if they're ordinary bush roses and indeed bush roses, whether in the in the garden soil or in pots, um, irrespective of the fact that they're starting to bud, cut them back hard now, feed them, clean off the bed and if it's a bed of roses, put down some of the, maybe the premazer as well to keep the weed control down. But now is the time to be tackling roses, even in this frosty weather, go out and it's good gardening weather for pruning. So once things warm up today, get out there, cut that rose back. If you want, you can take it out of the pot and put it into the garden. It's a good time to plant them. But the pruning needs to be done now because growth is going to start very quickly. And there's no point in cutting them back in three or four weeks' time because you're losing all that fresh growth. So prune them by all means, feed them now, put on the premazer if they're in beds, and that's going to be it. Yes. You know, that's going to be, you're well ahead of the posse at that stage. Perfect. And just also pruning from roses to apple trees. Somebody's cutting back strong apple trees yeah. um, that are too high. Now, the cuts are going to be about six inches wide, so okay. they're wondering should they cover them with paint to stop rot? So they're going to be sawing them back. Yeah, <laughs> not just prune. Yeah, so it's not a secretarist they yeah. have, I so, think. So, yeah, and again, good time to, to, to prune apple trees, um, fruit in general, pears, apples, um, this is the time to be trimming them back, blackcurrants, gooseberries. Um, wounds more than three inches wide should be actually treated with a, a compound that will seal the wound. So the one I would use is one called Medo, Medo pruning uh, treatment, I think it's called, M-E-D-O. It's like a wax. You, you uh, warm it up in hot water, put a paintbrush and just literally paint it on after you, onto the cut surface and that protects the wound then. It's like putting a wax over the cutting and uh, it'll stop any rot getting in, any moisture getting in. So Mido uh, pruning, pruning treatment, wax. you simply uh, soften it up, paint it onto the, the cut and that'll seal it. Okay. Somebody's wondering, can they plant bare root hedging now? Yeah, if it's fine to plant, um, you know, we're still in the dormant season. Uh, so I would plant bare root stuff right up to the end of March. If it's things like beech, you can plant well into April. So yeah, great time to plant bare root hedging, laurels, beech, you know, any, any bare root plants. It's also a good time to move plants as well. If you're thinking of moving something in the garden, this type of cold, frosty weather is very, very good. As long as you dig it up and transplant it all in the one time, one period. Okay. Um, spotted laurels somebody yeah. has planted last year the leaves are going a bit black well you're going to you always get that in spotted laurel it's an evergreen shrub um, it uh, you know over the winter period it's going to take up bits of blackening bits of, of uh, marks due to frost due to hailstones even because the leaves are so big they often get peppered um, so physical damage on, on uh, spotted laurel is very common at this time of year right. just really take off those leaves it'll be predominantly on the older leaves again give it a shrub fee- feed something like um, the Osmo Pro 6 would be very good on spotted laurel it's a very leafy plant so mm. it, it will respond very well to a good feed put a couple of handfuls of that on the plant and within six weeks You'll have lots of fresh growth. You won't even see the bits of marks that are on them. So don't worry, it's not a pest or disease. It's just physical damage. You can literally, if if the leaves are very bad, just take them off, literally just peel them off, feed the plant well, and that, it'll look fantastic by the end of April. Excellent. Um, Somebody's wondering about as planting Spanish gorse near the sea. Can you do that now? Oh, you can, yeah. Yeah. This is the time of year. It's it's very tough. Genista Hispanica, it's uh, it's actually uh, very tough. It looks a little bit like the whin. 
like the wild wind. Oh, right. So it, to- it tolerates the the um, it tolerates the salt air and the wind very well. And now would be actually a great time to plant it because it'll establish itself well right through the growing season before the autumn of next year and the winters of next year. So yeah, good time to plant them. It's a good time in general, dear, for planting. Yeah. You know, this Full is the stop, time. This right, is it. Yeah. As the soil starts to warm up, it's a great time for moving plants, for planting berry plants or planting plants in containers and tubs. This is the time before we get into that full spurt of growth, you're giving the plants time to start to root. Lovely. Here's a good question. And this is something I suppose that all small households maybe suffer from a little bit when you're planting vegetables and um, salad-y type things. Um, Somebody's wondering, would you have a small hidden lettuce that you could suggest? There's only two people in their house and the large heads are a bit of a waste. Right. (laughs) So the thinking ahead. Well, probably a a really good one is um, one called Little Gem. Nicely named. Lovely. Isn't it? It's a small, crisp crisp head, a nice Nice small head of lettuce, uh, ideal for two people. Sow the seed. You can actually buy the plants at this time of year. The plants are available now and you can get seed as well. Um, They're frost hardy, so there's no problem planting them out uh, in the garden. And I would plant the plants, maybe Mm -hmm. six or eight plants, and put some seed in as well. Sow the seed every three weeks and you'll have little gem heads of lettuce right through till September, October of next year if you continue to sow right through the season. Great great variety as well for indoor. If you've got a tunnel or a greenhouse, it'd be an ideal variety to put in there. It's very compact so you'll fit a lot of them in a small area. Okay. So little gem. And in general, vegetable plants are available now. The cabbage, cauliflowers, Brussels sprouts, all of the veg plants are actually ready for going out now. And even in this cold weather, they're fine. Okay. Uh, somebody's wondering they have uh, they're wondering is it okay to plant out shrubs yet that they've overwintered in a polytunnel buds have appeared yeah well I, I would well you know most shrubs and like even within oh, we the, hang on for another week well even within the tunnel the frost will penetrate through the plastic um, so they are getting frost treatment at night time they are getting that chill at night time what I would do again it's it's with this was cooler weather um, give them maybe a couple of days out of doors so put them out during the day Take them in at night time, um, just for a day or two. But most shrubs, you're not, they're not going to be damaged, to be honest, um, even if there's uh, fresh growth on them. And even if they get slightly scorched, they'll reshoot again. So don't be worried about them. As soon as you're ready to plant out, go ahead and start planting. Okay. And how soon can you sow Duke of York? Well, you can plant them now. Duke of York is a really good, it's a real old variety um, and it has stood the test of time, which often, you know, I often remark that some of the older varieties, they're round for a good reason. People have kept them growing because of their flavour and Duke of York in particular is a beautiful uh, early variety, really good flavour potato. It actually, there's a variety, a red one, you get the traditional uh, yellow-skinned, Duke of York, but there's actually mm. a very good red, a more modern variety, bred from, it's a sport, what we call a sport of the old variety. So it's kind of a new generation of the Duke of York. Okay. So look for that as well. It's a red skinned, again, a bit like rooster, but it's a very early variety, good, very good flavour as well. Duke of York is also an excellent variety if you want to grow them in tubs and containers, right. or if you want to grow early potatoes, say, again, undercover in a, t- in a polytunnel or a greenhouse, but also quite happy out of doors. Okay, great. So now is the, now is the time now to get them in. Yeah. Right. Just one or two more before we finish up. Somebody has lily of the Nile bulbs um, they got recently and they've not planted them yet, but the bulbs seem to have gone dry. They're wondering, will they still grow? Yeah, lily of the Nile is, is agapanthus. It's the lovely blue agapanthus that flowers July, August. And to be honest, the bulbs do look always, when you mm. buy them, wizened and... and uh, 
dried up a bit like the dahlias but no once you pot them up I would pot them up at this time of year even though they're frost hardy um, I'd plant put them into containers or pots in, in compost water them well keep them in a nice shelter part they can be out of doors but if you had uh, kind of a, a sun trap a, a conservatory or a porch area let them grow on for a couple of weeks and then plant them out and they'll come into flower in July and August and they come in white and blue so that's Agapanthus, uh, Lillian and I, a lovely plant. It's Sounds a perennial. Voice. Once you plant it, you have it forever okay. um, and grow to about two feet in height. So quite a nice plant. But don't worry about it being uh, looking wizened. It'll be perfectly okay. Plant it up and away it'll away go. Away yeah. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, just a reminder again, though, that competition yeah, uh, we so have been running for the last hour. So the number is 09490 We're looking for groups or organisations. It can be gardening clubs, ladies' societies, men's clubs, whatever, uh, to come along to the garden centre. Tidy center. towns groups. Tidy towns groups. It can be any group mm. with a minimum of 15 people and up to about 40 we can cater for. Um, and we're looking for the group to come to Turlock any time over the next maybe five or six weeks. So whatever date suits them and we'll put a day of gardening on for them um, guided tours of, of the gardens in the museum and, and then workshops in, in the garden centre in Turlock and we'll tailor it to their needs so 0949026997 give, give us a buzz and we'll pick a winner then uh, next week and we'll announce them on um, the programme yeah great stuff we'll be looking forward to that um, have yourselves a, a lovely bank holiday weekend and to make sure that you enjoy the festivities but get a bit of gardening in exactly. as well exactly the weather's yeah. going to be ideal for it okay lovely stuff for see you next week next week till then uh, stand by Michael Neary is out and about at Monaghan's in Castle Bar this morning they're coming live from there directly after the news at 10 o'clock which is on the way next here on Midwest Radio with Fiona McGarry from Meteor to Kelly for the moment good morning and enjoy the weekend.